evening everybody welcome back to another episode of simply unprofessional i'm your host tonight devin and joining me we have rob hey everybody sorry i have my mouth full rob we talked about this off camera come on <laughs> sorry i'm so used to the the song taking forever but i realized that we're going to be adding it in post on this one yeah, that's true that's true we will be adding it in post also we have a special guest man of the hour Donnie. Hey, I'm me. Donnie. Donnie. I'm a Donnie. Here. First He's time Donnie. I haven't been called what's his name. I won't I won't say it. You know what I mean. <laughs> I mean I call you De- I call you Donaldo, but and sometimes I call you Donatello. Profit. But that's just that's just because I feel like doing it. Um <laughs> Anyway, tonight we're going to be doing a subclass review. A hold on, five <clears throat> E subclass review. <sighs> anyway, we got a five E subclass review. Uh, we're going to be doing Warlocks this evening because uh, Webby cannot join us tonight, and he fucking hates Warlocks. So I knew this would be something he wouldn't care if we talked about. <laughs> so. Yeah, so we have our, I think our official Warlock list of subclasses that are currently official in the books. Uh, I think the last book to come out was Tosh, excuse me, Tosh's Cauldron of Everything, right? That was the last official book to come out, I believe. So far, yeah. There's one coming out pretty soon, but it's not out yet. Yeah, I think uh, that's the Ravenloft one, right? Or is that one already out? I think it came out. Did Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft come out? Come came out in May. Yeah, it's out. Boom. So yeah, well, there's so another one coming out soon, like in August, beginning of August. Okay, so I guess the most recent book is Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft because there is a uh, there is a uh, class in there which Donnie may actually be really interested in. What's uh, that? Depending, on, depending on when I go over it, um, uh, we will get to it. So you have in the player's handbook, your player's handbook ones. You have the Archfey, the Fiend, and the Great Old One. Uh, I really like the Great Old One, but it really is depends on your type of campaign you're playing. Um, then in uh, after that we have the next introduction was I think Sword Coast was uh, Undying, and then you had Tasha's Cauldron. No, sorry, Xanathar's, which was Celestial, and the Hexblade, which I probably think is the most popular choice, possibly the most like statistically optimal choice. Um, and then you have your Tasha's Cauldron, which is Fathomless, the Genie. And the genie, and then the last one, which is Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, is undead. Um, so I think we should start at the top. Uh, we should just go. Let's start at the Archfey, go in alphabetical order because uh, that's how it's on my list right here. So the Archfey. Hey, Rob, have you? First of all, let's go over our. Uh, let's go over all of our. I guess all of our uh, histories of playing warlocks in Five A. Uh, Rob, 
have you played Warlocks in 5e? And how often have, have you never, played I have, well, unless you count um, Levi, who is an NPC, I have never played uh, Warlock. Levi are, you familiar, is, are you familiar with Warlock, though? Uh-huh. Okay. I know Donnie's played Warlocks. Oh, yeah. A few. <laughs> yes. I have what subclass did you play? Have you played, Donnie? Out of the I ones? have played... Uh, let's see. I think I've made an Archfey. I don't think we played that one very long. I've played a Fiend. And I'm currently playing a Genie. But the the first two were both multi-classes. Okay. But I'm and, currently doing a playthrough of nothing but the Genie Pact Warlock. Okay. And I've played a few of uh, Warlocks. I've played a... I played a Fiend. I played a Great Old One. And I played a Hexblade. Um, and then I messed around with a Celestial one at one point. But I didn't really play it, but I messed around with it for a little bit. Yeah, how about you, Rob? Uh, I don't know. I mean, technically, we're, uh, we we are PCs in the NPC where you play Levi. So if you don't want to say what uh, patron he is, I, I understand. Oh, uh, well, he has, he has a Fiend patron. That's fine. Yeah, I think of the three in the main book, Fiend might be the most one place the most. I think I would say in order is probably Fiend, Archfey, Great Old One. That's just from people I've talked to. But, but yeah, Archfey. So you have Archfey, let's say. My computer's being slow, so I'm loading up the Archfey uh, information here. <laughs> there we go. So Archfays, they get um, they get ex- expanded spell list like all Warlocks do. Their first level spells they get, they get Fairy Fire and Sleep. Second level spells, they get Calm Emotions and Phantasmal Force. Third level, they get Blink, Plant Growth. Blink and Plant Growth. Fourth level is Dominate Beast and Greater Invisibility. That one's nice. And fifth level is uh, Dominate Person and Seeming. Excuse me. Dominate person in seeming. What the hell is seeming? I have never used that spell. I also get Fey Presence. Starting at first level, your patron bestows upon you the ability to project the beguiling and fearsome presence of the Fey. It's like a person disguised self. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of redundant if you're a changeling. Um... Outside of, unless you actually care about your party and you want to change them to. If they presence, you get a Misty Escape, which is basically Misty Step, I think, right? So you get six level, you can vanish in a puff of mist in, in response to harm. No, it's a little bit different. When you take damage, you use your reaction to turn invisible and teleport 60 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. You remain invisible until the start of your next turn or until you attack or cast a spell. And that's once per short rest. Tenth level, you get beguiling defenses. Um, being at tenth level, your patron teaches you how to turn the mind affecting magic of your enemies against them. You are immune to being charmed, and when another creature attempts to charm you, you can use your reaction to attempt to turn the charm back on that creature. The creature must succeed in a whiz saving throw against your warlock spell save DC or be charmed by you for one minute or until it takes damage. And then we have their their subclass capstone. 
Uh, Dark Delirium. Starting at 14th level, you can plunge a creature into an illusionary realm. As an action, choose a creature you can see within 60 feet of you. It must make a whiz saving throw against your warlock. Save DC. On a fail save, it is charmed or frightened by you. Your choice for one minute or until your concentration is broken. Uh, this effect ends early if the creature takes any damage. Until the illusion ends, the creature thinks it's lost in a misty realm. The appearance of which you choose, the creature can see and hear only itself, you and the illusion. You must finish a short or long arrest before you can use this feature again. All right. So the way I'm thinking is, I didn't have a chance to listen to the, the one you guys did last time on this. So did you guys, you guys ranked them all, right? From mm-hmm. what you guys felt was worst to best? So I think the best baseline, in my opinion, would be to do all the ones in the player's handbook first, rank those best to worst, and then we can slot in the other ones. Works for me. Make... All right. So that's the Archfey. Um, I'm going to write down Archfey here. Archfey. Archfey. The Archfey. All right, Archfey. The next one in the player's handbook is The Fiend. But while wow, that's loading up, what do you guys think of the Archfey? Based on what I just read. Or do you want me to read something else again? If you didn't hear what I read. Because I was eating a cupcake barber through that. Um... Um, I mean, I like the Misty Escape. Beguiling defenses at level 10 is kind of like, eh? Because you get basically the same thing with Fray Presence, except you can't reflect charms back at people. Being immune to charm, though, I mean, I guess. Is it good? Yeah. But how often are you being charmed? That's all. I think it's very game dependent. Mm hmm. I think that's very game-dependent, in my opinion. And then Dark Delirium, I'm not sure how useful that is. It's like, okay, so now the creature thinks it's just me and them. And they're going to come straight for me. I don't... Right. And then if your your allies damage it in any way, the spell automatically ends. So it's like, I will say this. It's up to the DM on that one, because it says they have the... The creature thinks it's lost in a misty realm. So they're like lost in like a like an illusionary hedge maze or something. And they can't really like see you. So they're just wandering around aimlessly. Could be useful. But there really isn't a mechanic that establishes that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it it, oh. it might be good to like intimidate people out of combat. <laughs> Too, like but... it would be something that's kind of nice. Like you hit you, you like like you hit them with it. Like if there's like a guard guarding a door, you hit them with it, and then your party can like sneak in and pass the guard, and because you know, he he doesn't notice them. But in the same time, there I think there's easier ways to accomplish that that doesn't require a 14th level uh, ability. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's a short rest. You're you're gonna get it back, but like most of warlock things are short rest. And it might like the spells they get, like they get some cool spells. Like, um, sleep's yeah, a pretty good spell. Pretty good. Yeah, sleep's pretty solid early on. Uh, blink is pretty nice. Greater invisibility is amazing. I still don't know what the fuck seeming is. Let's see what seeming is. It's a fifth level illusion spell. 
Lasts for eight hours. The spell allows you to change the appearance of any number of creatures you can see within range. You give each target a new illusionary appearance, and only target can make a saving throw, and if it succeeds, it is unaffected by the spell. So it's basically just a souped-up version of your innate ability uh, you get through the class uh, through Fae Presence. Okay. Except you can do it against unwilling people. Right? No, it's like I no, said, it's, no. a, multi, it's a multi-person disguise self. Like you just cast illusions over the party that's been changed. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were talking about that being fate presence, and I was like, oh, okay, but no, no, that's just that. Yeah, okay, it's multi-person disguise self. Like, I mean, all right. Uh, I think this one definitely would shine better in like a social game, and that's kind of unfortunately well how I do feel about the. I think if you're going for if you're playing a, a standard game, and this is me personally, if you're playing a standard game, like if you only have the player's handbook and you know you're gonna be like a mix of like combat with maybe like some social intrigue, uh Fiend I think for a warlock is probably the most optimal choice in terms of just like raw numbers. I do like Great Old One the most, in my opinion, from uh a mix of both of those worlds. But I mean Archfade to me just seems like it does have a pretty baller spell list though. But it just seems really, to me personally, it seems like it's more suited to being. It's it's campaign dependent. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I think it's it's not bad. It's not bad. Thematically, I, mean, not... I like it a lot. Yeah, thematically, how they implemented it. Not my favorite. Yeah, thematically, it's dope. Uh, there's really none of the abilities really stand out to me as like, oh, that's really dope. Like, that, like none of the abilities make you want to play that subclass for that ability. Nope, just um, the spell list is pretty much all. The spell list is pretty solid. The spell is pretty solid, but you already can like poach spells off spell list anyway as a warlock. So it's true. Like... <laughs> it's like, eh. all right. So then we have the fiend. The fiend, probably the weakest spell list of all of them because it's just damaging spells. Um, but we have the fiend. You get your spell. You get your spell list. First level is burning hands and command. Second level is blindness, deafness, and scorching grave. Third level, you get fireball and stinking cloud. Fourth level is fire shield and wall of fire. Fifth level is flame strike and hallow. So as far as spells go, uh, just really combat oriented, um, but not bad. Just not a lot of utility within those spells. I mean, command, yes, yeah, stinking cloud, maybe. Um, you can get creative with Wall of Fire and Hallow, but that's really about it. Like, there's not really anything that's like overly utilitarian in that. It's kind of, it's kind of. I harken back to like the more experience I think a D and D player gets, um, the less like damaging spells seem like appealing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. Because you start getting more creative with your other spells that are more impactful than just pure numbers. Um, and yeah, I mean, but I think for just a pure number game, like, yeah, like if you want to just do some damage, it's not bad. So yeah, I think the spell list is pretty weak for um, the Fiend. How do you feel about that one, Rob? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's... It's mostly yeah. damaging stuff. There are also things that you could steal from other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like, like obviously, fireball's nice. Like, you know, we everybody likes having fireball. Fireball's nice. But I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, you're very clearly put in the blaster position if you're getting this spell. It's yeah, very, very much. Like, you're very much the blaster. Um, yeah, level one, you get Dark One's blessing. So first level, 
Reduce a creature to zero hit points. You gain tip hit points equal to your charisma modifier plus your warlock level, minimum one. Uh, at higher levels, um, that could be really, it's really useful. Even at lower levels, it's not bad. I mean, at higher levels, it's uh, like 20th level, that's a potential of 25 temp HP when you drop somebody down to zero hit points. It's not bad. Uh, it's, it's fine. You know, f- for being a, in my opinion, as an ability, it's fine. It's not like, groundbreaking but it's not bad it's a level one it's a free level one ability that you, that you get a level one i don't think it's bad at all yeah i think it's very front loaded i think as you get higher levels it's less useful but at the same time most yeah i mean because obviously things are doing more damage i think once you get past like level like five or six it starts becoming like eh um because it, it, it and then you're like okay i have to be the one that puts this guy to zero to get the bonus for it and then it's like and even then the bonus for it like it it, it it's gonna shave off like part of damage, not even like full damage at this yeah. point. I mean, if so this was like, a yeah. class that's meant to get hit, I would say that's a lot more useful. But if, if that was on the, if that was on the hex blade, it'd be it'd be better. Yeah, yeah, because they're meant to be in the melee. Yeah, that's um, probably better from them. If you're a, a just a squishy boy and you're getting hit enough to make this worth it, you're probably knocked out. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't get hit, though, it's nice to have that temp HP buffer to so when you do get a hit, because you can carry that till, uh, I think temp HP lasts till a short rest, right, Rob? A long rest. Long rest. So, I mean, yeah, you can carry that pretty much all day. Uh, so you can, like, you know, fuel it. Like, if you're level 20, like, if you want to metagame the system here, guys, if you're level 20, you go find that level, like, one kobold, and you kill him. <laughs> Uh, I mean, and 20, then, 25 temp HP is not bad. You have 25 temp HP for the rest of the day when you go through. So that first time you do get hit in combat, it's not as bad. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I mean, like it, that's a niche situation. And then at level six, you get Dark One's own luck. Six level, you can call on your patron to alter fate in your favor. When you make an ability check or a saving throw, you can use this feature to add a D10 to your roll. You can do so after the initial roll, but before um, any of roll's effects occur. And you get that once per short or long, once per short or long rest. Uh, I think that's, I think that's a good ability, a very good ability. You know, being able to roll an extra d10 in a saving throw—that is literally the difference between life and death sometimes. Um, and yeah, no, that that's a solid ability. I think that's a really good ability. So far, in my opinion, I'm looking at it like this. I think they have. Spell list, eh? Spell list is kind of weak. First level one ability is like take it or leave it. It's not great. It's not bad. It's okay. Uh, this one I think is definitely like a big thumbs up in my opinion. Like a dark one's own luck is a good is a nice reason to want to play this class. Like it, it that it makes me kind of like looking at those initial classes that stands out to me. Right. Yeah. That's a the spell list too. Like none of those spells is really going to outshine Eldritch Blast. So no, it's like no. basically useless. Well, I mean, you have to look at it like spells like this. Like, there's almost no point to take damaging spells on a warlock because it's like okay. yep. you only get like two to three spell spells per short rest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you only get like three or four spell slots, I think, at most. If I'm uh, looking at the sheet, I don't remember warlocks level twenty of warlocks get four spell slots, but then you have your Mystic Arcanum, so you can play around with it a little bit more. But they get four spell slots per short rest. So, I mean. You're better off using your invocations and El- and Elder's Blast for your damage. That's how I do it. That's how. I, that's yeah, and then like your spells are your are your utility spots to do other things with. 
That's how I've always played my Warlocks for the most case. I, I very rarely will have a damaging spell in my Warlock. Um, yeah, so you have Dark One's own luck. You have Fiendish Resilience. Starting at 10th level, you can use one dam- uh, You can choose one damage type. When you finish a short or long rest, you gain resistance, resistance to that damage type until you choose a different one with this feature. Um, and damages from magical weapons or silver weapons ignore this resistance. So, not bad. Uh, I will say it's better or worse depending on if you if you know what you're fighting, like if you know you're getting ready to you know, you're getting prepped to uh, fight like a like a white dragon or a blue dragon or something like that, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna take my short rest. I choose cold. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have cold resistance. So I mean, like you kind of know what you're fighting. You know what you're getting into. You kind of gonna be like, all right, cool. Like that's gonna pay off for you way more than just like generically walking around with like fire resistance yeah well like if you don't know what you're fighting though you should choose yeah, yeah, yeah. the main three like bludgeoning slashing piercing because yeah. those are what's going to come up most often yeah Donnie didn't bring up a good point uh what would you give uh because I, I forgot what would you give letter grade would you give uh the archfey the first class we did the archfey what what letter grade would you give that? Begrudgingly, like a C, I think. I don't think it's awful, but I don't think the spell list is enough to. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I was I, gonna I, say the same thing. C, so. C. It's a very middle of the road C class. Yep. Very middle of the road. Um, and are we gonna do like plus minuses, or are we just gonna just do hard letter grades? Uh, I think last time we just did hard letter grades. We mm-hmm. voted. We like, kind of did like a vote system, but we all three said the same thing. So yeah, no, that's a fucking C all day. That 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 is like that. The Archface screams mediocrity. If there ever was a class that screamed mediocrity. I, but the thing is, is I like every theme for. Thematically, all of these it's a great class. Thematically, yeah. it's a great class. Um, but thematically, you can, I can make any class work thematically. Sure, that, that's very true. Also, doesn't mean. You know, doesn't mean it's a good class. Like that fucking the dwarven battle rager, thematically. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's another one that falls under the same category. In theory, yeah, it sounds really cool. Except that was like a hard F class, in my opinion. That's yeah. Not even a- yeah, this one, yeah, that's an F. Like, this the only F- time F- I could see myself ever playing a dwarven battle ranger is if I'm just like, you know what? I just want to do it for the lulls. Like, I just want to play this class for the lulls. <laughs> like, that's the only reason why. Like, there's not a mechanical reason in the book you will be like, you know what? I really want to play this. <sighs> but anyway, back on topic for a second here. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Fiend's Resistance, Resilience, it's not bad. Um, it is kind of nice if you do have a race that has resistances already, like uh, Tieflings who have fire resistance, because you can pick something else and have resistance to two elements. And tieflings are usually, uh, not usually, but like the quintessential warlock is probably a tiefling. So, I mean, it, it has its ups and downs. I mean, it's not bad. It's just, you know, it's fine. It works. Resilience is weird sometimes. <laughs> I never really feel, you never, you never really feel like resilience is good until it actually comes up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's fine. Like, that's totally, I don't know about 10th level. Um, but I don't know if, I'm, if I would be excited for res- resilience at tenth level. 
I don't think I'd be excited for it, but I do think, like you said, it is definitely useful, especially yeah, if you just constantly try to guess ahead what you're going to need. Yeah, or if you actually know what you're fighting. Like, you're on a mission to go yeah. fight, like, um... If you're Batman? You're Batman, or you're going in, like, a zombie city to go fight, like, or you're going to fight vampires. Well, I'm going to be necrotic resistant. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah, it has its ups and downs. I mean, it, has, it definitely has its uses. It's not a bad ability. It isn't, like... I'm never going to be like, oh, man, I got resistance. God damn it. That sucks. Yeah. I like the birds. Not, not bad, but like you said, I don't think you look forward to it. Yeah, well, I like the bard's level 20 ability. The bard has the worst subclass in the history of fucking yeah. IB. <laughs> yeah, I, I would almost every time multi-class on a bard. Yeah, even be, just because the, the it's fucking terrible. Um <laughs> But like the class itself is amazing, but like that that fucking yeah. last level is awful. And then there's no point in taking a one level dip in any class. It really, it's like three, take three levels, and you're like, fuck it, but whatever. Warlock. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, if you want to be optimal warlock, or if you want to do like I'm doing and go fighter because you're using a crossbow. Um, That's also good. Too. Um, and then you get uh, my favorite ability on the on this warlock list. Uh, you get hurl, hurdle through hell. I like the thematicness of it. I don't like the damage on it, though. I don't like what it does, but... Hurl Through Hell, uh, 14th level. And you hit a creature with an attack. You use this feature to instant transport the target through the lower planes. Creature disappears and, hur- and hurdles through a nightmare landscape. End of your next turn, target returns to, to the space they previously occupied or the nearest unoccupied space if the target is not a fiend. If not a fiend, it takes one, uh, 10d10 psychic damage and it, as it rails from its horrific experience. You can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So at 14th level, you get a 10d10 as a reaction. Um, actually, no, it's not even a reaction. You just, you just use it. I forgot. It doesn't even use, use a reaction. It's just when you hit a creature with the attack, you can use this feature to instantly teleport target. Yeah, there's no reaction involved. So you get 10d10 psychic damage. Uh, psychic damage is a damage shape that's not frequently resisted. Um, it's one of the... It's the, I think it's second to force for the forces number one of the least uh, resisted types, and I think Psychic's number two. So, I mean, it, the odds of it getting resisted is not very high. It just doesn't work on Fiends, though. That's the only thing that sucks. So if you hit a Fiend with it, they don't take any damage. You just wasted it for the day. It's, I mean, it's just, it's a damage. For a damage, a damage subclass, like a damage full subclass, Having a damage capstone is not a bad thing. Uh, I just kind of wish it was something different. I don't dislike it. Thematically, I love it. But I just... At 14th level, 10d10 psychic damage, it... Eh. Eh. <laughs> yeah. It's, like you said, it's nice. Uh, thematically, yes. It's an S rank to me thematically. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your DM and how they make them react because, you know, it says they reel from the horrific. They reel from it, but, I mean, and that's, like, the psychic damage, but they're not, like, feared or anything. Right, it doesn't have any lasting effect. No, it's just damage. It's just, like, damage in there. I don't know, a good role player or... Make it BFR'd for a round, Um, which which could be nice because uh, depending on how your DM rules it, if, uh, like, you're fighting a dragon, for instance, and their dragon breath set to recharge on that round, uh, like, for them to roll to recharge it, they may not get that roll. So that's, it puts them off for another turn, because they weren't able, they weren't on the field to get that roll. 
and it gives everybody else a turn to like heal up. So like if you're fighting one big creature, like you're fighting a big dragon, like you send them through hell, and until the end of your next turn, they're gone. So you have one. Everybody gets one free action basically to like drink potions, heal up, uh, you know, kind of like re regain the ground, maybe get up any like dying party members. So I mean, it is useful, but the cleric can do that with banishment at level like four <laughs> possibly for longer. And if there are certain creatures, they get, they're just permanently gone. <laughs> they don't come back. I'm a pretty big fan of that spell. I Webby hated me for using that spell when I used it before. So I, I banished two of his creatures immediately. It was pretty funny, but, um, uh, but yeah, so what are your opinion, what are your opinions, Rob, on the last ability here? Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it doesn't take away from anything else, basically. Like, so if you're using something to damage, you can add ten d ten psychic on top of it, but it's it's after, you can only get it back after a long rest. So it's basically like you're a, like a big double hit if you could hit with something else and then use it, but. But it, basically, it's just damage, so doesn't really do any. I mean, for I guess for a round, it also takes them out of combat. So, yeah, I but, mean, yeah, I think it does okay. have that it's utility. Not, like, it's yeah. yeah, yeah, okay is where I'm sitting at it, on it too. It's for damage, it's fine, but I mean, it's just damage. And I I don't know about you guys, but I rarely am looking at like when I get to like past like ten level i'm rarely looking for stuff to give me more damage right usually i want like more survivability more utility i mean if damage comes along with that great but like it's not something like i need like if it like if, it, like if they came back and they were like feared or they were like stunned for a round mm. off the fear oh immediately would be 10 times better excuse me sorry but yeah uh just damage Gone for a round, useful, but not like again, not like the the reason I want to play the class. I think the strongest ability on this by far is the Dark One's own luck, just for that ability of once per short rest to roll a d10 and add it to a saving throw is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. All right, what are you guys feeling on rankings for their, uh, the fiend here? Uh, I'd probably say B, maybe, maybe A, but definitely at least B. Yeah, I'm gonna say high B. I'm feeling like, see, I'm feeling like low B, but I'm with you. I'm with you, B. All right, so I I guess that was a B, which is fine with me. But like, I'm a little biased. I'll openly admit that. Um, so then out of the Next ones and the last one in the player's handbook, we have the great old one, which is my personal favorite, but I won't be biased on this one. I promise. I won't. Um, you have the great old one. So as far as spell list goes for the great old one, first level, you get dissonant whispers, Tasha's hideous laughter. Second level, you get detect thoughts, phantasmal force. Third level, you get clairvoyance and sending. Fourth level, you get Dominate Beasts and a Vard's Black Tentacles. 
fifth level, you get dominate person and telekinesis. So how you guys feel about those spells? I mean, not terrible. I mean, it's not my favorite list. No, I mean, like they're they're not bad. They're the spells are not my favorite part of the class, but they're not bad. Um, Takahiri's laughter is a really fun first level spell that can take people out of the fight. Um, it's more of a utility based spell. I do like it. Uh, sending can come up. It's useful. Clairvoyance, dominate beast, and dominate person and beast can be very useful. Telekinesis is always useful. Avar's Black Tentacles, again, eh. It's a damaging spell. Not a huge fan of damaging spells uh, in Unwarlocks in general. But, yeah, I mean, it's not the worst. It's not the best, but it's not the worst. How do you feel about it, Rob? Uh, I mean, there's a lot more non-damaging spells. A lot more utility here. So, yeah, it's definitely the best I think of the lists so far. Yep, I mean I'm with you on that one. I I I do like it a lot. Um, in terms of what it brings to the table, like even like even a Vard's Black Tentacles is a damaging spell, but when they're hit by it, they're restrained. Yep. If that wasn't a deck save, that would be one of my favorite spells. Yeah, that's the only thing that sucks about it is a deck save. <laughs> Phantasmal Force can be really good too if your DM is generous. Yeah, Phantasmal Force is really good. Um, obviously, Clairvoyance, same thing. Yeah. Um, it really, right. It's depends. a good list. Yeah, no, it's a solid list. It's just, it does, I, I feel like there's some spells I wish that were on there um, that may or may not, I don't know if they've been, to be fair, those spells may not have been out at the time when this spell came out. So I, I will give it to that. Um, I will chalk it up to that. Uh, so the first level ability, you get Awakened Mind. Uh, starting at first level, your alien knowledge gives you the ability to touch the mind of other creatures. You can telepathically speak to any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. You don't need to share a language with the creature for it to understand your, telepath- your telepathic utterances, but the creature must be able to understand at least one language. I love that. Yeah, me too. Like, that's that's an that's S tier when, when you need it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's amazing. Like, that ability, in my opinion, that ability is amazing. Because, like, I used to use it all the time when I was there. Because as long as they understand any language, I, I, I can have a conversation with them. So, essentially, you know every language. Because if they know a language, you can talk to them. Yes. That's just speaking it, though, right? Yeah, you can't understand. They can't, like, you can't read their mind and hear it back. But you can at least communicate your side of something to anybody that can understand a language. Gotcha. So useful. For level one, that's insanely good. Yeah. I mean, even with your party, like, I, when I, when I played this in, uh, in Goose's game, I, my character never talked unless he actually had to, it was like out of 30 feet. I would just like whisper shit to people in their head. (laughs) Creep. I love it. It was easier. You could do party moves. You could do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, what do you think about that one, Rob? We lose Rob. Rob died. Did we lose Rob? He, he muted. He might be. He might be dealing with uh, and puppy. Yep. So by that we mean Webby. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right, so yeah, I'll hop over to that. I'll just get his opinion when he comes back. Um, Entropic Ward, at 6th level, you learn to magically ward yourself against attacks and and to turn an enemy's fail strike into good luck for yourself. When a creature makes an attack roll against you, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on that roll. If the attack misses you, your next attack roll against that creature has advantage if you make it before the end of your next turn. Uh, you can use that once per short rest. Uh... Now, when they say attack roll, that would cover spell attacks like Eldritch Blast. Yeah, any attack roll, not like not not melee, any attack roll. I don't. So, it's Eldritch hard. Blast it, too. It's not. I mean, it's not the strongest ability, but it's not bad. I mean, it's it's totally fine. I I'll mean, just say the only thing that sucks about it is it causes your reaction. It causes your reaction. But yeah. I'm thinking of like Warlocks; they don't use their reaction much anyway. So it's not bad. That's um, true. That's true. I mean, and nice even just that. the fact that you're giving them disadvantage is solid. Uh, you know, I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's great. It's uh just trying to weigh that versus you can use it once per short rest. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, that that that's probably the worst part of it is once per short rest. But would it be too strong if it was once per effectively once per combat? Or your reaction once per turn. That'd be it'd be crazy. much stronger. That's for that's that'd be for that'd be crazy. Once once per once per turn, you can uh, do that. You can use your reaction to give them disadvantage. Maybe maybe make advantage. it proficiency or something. No, that's still a lot. Yeah, it's good. Definitely yeah. good at it as is, but it's not my my favorite personally. Yep. Uh, my personal favorite ability um, at level ten, thought shield. Starting at tenth level, you your thoughts can't be read by by tele that tele telepathy or other means until unless you allow it. You also have resistance to psychic damage, and when a creature deals psychic damage to you, that creature takes the same amount of damage that that you do. So I personally love that ability. I love the fact that that you're immune to being having your mind read by telepathy um that resistance to psychic damage is nice we're not going to come up very often because it's one of the least used damage types in the game it's also one of the least resisted damage types in the game (laughs) um but i digress not bad and uh i mean if they do deal psychic damage to you it gets dealt back kind of the same thing um not the last two parts of that, not really the strongest, but not being able to have your mind read by telepathy, I think is pretty a pretty strong ability. Uh, depending on the game you're in, especially. Imagine giving yeah. that ability to a, a bear totem barbarian. <laughs> you're just like, ha ha, I am mute everything. I mean, but the easier way to do that is just make a shard mind, because shard minds are already naturally resistant, resistant to... Uh, Already naturally resistant to uh, psychic damage. So make a shard mind bear totem barbarian, and then you're immune to everything. Yeah, but this one, like, because everyone's like, oh, you know what? The only thing that I can hit a barbarian with is psychic, and then it damages you back with the same psychic energy. It's like, what the fuck? Yes. Oh. oh. Honestly, you'd be better off as a you'd be better off at that point as a barbarian to not 
Because nine times out of ten, whatever hits you with psychic energy has less HP than you do. You're better off not having resistance to it and just letting it hit you and just have the ability where it, when, if you take psychic damage, they take the same psychic damage back. <laughs> that would be better. <laughs> so like psychic nuke you, and you, you, they just drop dead. And you're fine. But yeah. Um, Rob, while you were gone, Awakened Mind, how do you feel about it? Starting at first level, um, you can telepathically speak to any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. You don't need to share a language with that creature in order to understand you. Understand your telepathic other utterances, but the creature must be able to understand at least one language. Very useful. One for secret communication within long distances, and two, there's a lot of things that don't speak the same language as you do. So, yeah. I mean, only thing that sucks is not it's not two way. You can't read their mind right back. Um, but that's fine. Uh, you could at least get your point across and like make your intents known on what you intend to do. To like your party, like if you're trying to like, oh hey, like this guy's trying to take us to jail, I'm gonna stab him in the neck. So that you can let your party know that and they all can get ready before you stab that guy in the neck. Um and then uh and then Entropic Ward. Uh sixth level, you learn to magically war yourself against attacks, turn your enemies fail strike into good luck for yourself. When a creature makes an attack roll against you, use your reaction to impose disadvantage. If the attack misses you, uh, your next attack roll against that creature has advantage if you make it for the end of your next turn. You can use it once per short rest. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good. I, I came back for that conversation, so like Donnie said, it would be better if you could use it a little more than once per fight, basically, but... Eh. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, it could, might be too strong. I think it might be too strong, though, at that point. Possible. Yeah, I mean, not like a like you'd have to find a way. Like maybe like half your wisdom mod, so it's like three is the most you could do, or half your yeah charisma yeah. mod or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that might work. That might work. Or like half your uh, half your charisma mod, since they call it charisma. And then the fourteenth level, the capstone, create thrall. At 14th level, you gain the ability to infect the humanoid's mind with a, with the alien magic of your patron. You can use your action to touch an incapacitated humanoid. The creature is then charmed by you until a removed curse spell is cast on it. The charm condition is removed from it, or you use this feature again. You can communicate t- telepathically with the charmed creature as long as the two of you are on the same plane of existence. I like it a lot. Very nice. You only can make one thrall at a time because if you the second use will overwrite the previous thrall. But being able to just have a thrall anywhere in the existence that you can like have him do stuff for you, and you can communicate with him no matter how far he is, as long as he's on the same plane as you, I think is really solid. I think yeah. that's a solid, solid thing to gain. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one. I think that's a pretty good capstone, and it's one that is kind of open ended for you to be creative with what you do with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It gives you it gives the player room to be unique, but also, uh, like still give them something that feels powerful, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's some it's something else. You know what I mean? You yep. feel like oh, this could also work with this class, or this also work with this class, or this subclass. It feels very like to itself, its own thing. Um, and then, but also, yeah. 
How do you feel about it, Rob? Yeah, I mean, it's depending on who who and stuff you you enthrall, they can be very like useful. Rover already does that, which with his dick. Kind of it. He's the I, I he's the new icon. All right, so letter grade for the great old one, guys. I think it's easily an A. Yeah, I'd say A at least. Just like it actually has useful, like really useful stuff. Well, I'm happy you both said A because I don't have to say it because majority rules here. Uh, I feel it's an A personally as well uh, because I really enjoy that class in general. It's one of my favorite Warlocks to play, especially if I know the game is going to have social implications as well as, uh, what you call it? I mean, who doesn't want to be... Under, also, like, I, in agreement with Cthulhu, like I mean, yeah, I also love Cthulhu, so I mean, like for me, I just say, you know what I mean? I just say, it's, it's perfect. You're ush- you're ushering Cthulhu into this world. Yes, that's what I try to do. All right, now we're gonna let's jump to Sword Coast, and then we we'll do Sword Coast. We got Sword Coast to do. One second. Then we got Xanathar's. Tasha's and then we got the Ravenloft to do. So Sorkos is the undying. The undying. Alright, undying. Spells the undying gets. I'm gonna go through this a little bit faster. Undying. First level, false life, ray of sickness. Second level, blindness, deafness, silence. Third level, feign death, speak with dead. Fourth level, aura of life, death ward. Fifth level, contagion, contagion, and legend lore. How are you guys feeling about the spells for that one? Again, it's mostly like, it, there's not a lot of damaging. It's mostly utility things, which is best for warlock. So, pretty solid. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yep, same same thing. Like I think it's a well-rounded spell list. Um, you gain you gain some stuff you don't really have as the warlock, in my opinion, from that list too. Um, level one, among the dead. Starting at first level, you learn the spare the dying cantrip, which counts as a warlock cantrip for you. You also have advantage on saving throws against any disease. Additionally, undead have difficulty harming you. If an undead targets you directly with an attack or a harmful spell, creature must make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC. Um, an undead need make a saving throw if includes you in an area of effect, such as the explosion of fireball. On a fail save, the creature must choose a new target or forfeit targeting someone instead of you. Um, or forfeit targeting someone instead of you. Yes. Uh, potentially wasting the attack or spell. On a successful save, the creature is immune to this effect for 24 hours, and undead is also immune to this effect for 24 hours if you target it with an attack or harmful spell. So, I thought it was very awesome until that last line. Yep. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the additional Spare the Dying cantrip and advantage on saving throws against disease, eh, I mean, we play with different death rules than, like, a lot of other, like, the by-the-book D&D game. So for our purposes, not that useful. Um, For, like, standard D&D, Spare the Dying is a more useful cantrip than, you know what I mean? But uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it's it's for vanilla D and D. Even then, like I, I'm not a fan of that. It would be very powerful. I'm not gonna lie. Like it would be extremely powerful. Even took like a one level dip and chose this patron and then went straight cleric. That would be insane. If you if you did that, if it didn't have that last line. Yeah. Um. But I don't know, man. It just like it's not bad. It's it's not bad. It just kind of forces you into being like a passive person. Yeah, so you, you can walk through the horde of them, you just can't do anything about it. I mean you can hurt some of them. So like you could choose to not hurt the most ones that are most likely to hurt you, if that makes sense. So yeah. I mean you could you can make it work for you. I I think it's kind of mediocre. It's not bad, but you can make it work for you though. Yeah. Not my favorite either. How about you, Rob? Feel the same way? Or I mean it's it's this it's like a less useful sanctuary spell basically because it's the same exact thing except it only works on undead because the sanctuary yeah. that I have with Elspeth does the same thing except that it affects everybody and not just the undead so yeah yeah see yeah and then you have uh six level you get to five death starting at six level you can give yourself vitality when you cheat when you cheat death or when you help someone else cheat it you can regain hit points equal to one d eight plus your con mod. When you uh, when you succeed in a death, uh, death saving throw, or when you stabilize a creature with Spare the Dying, once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. Eh. I mean, on one hand, if you go down, you make a death saving throw, you get back up, so that's cool. Um, and you can it gives you effectively turn Spare the Dying into which is a cantrip into a healing spell once per basically once per day on someone who's down. So, not bad. Just, again, like, really handicapped by, like, the last line, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it didn't have that last line, it even wouldn't be that powerful. It would be hard as fuck to kill. Because you would make a death saving throw, and if you succeeded in that death saving throw, you'd be, you'd pop back up with, like, Realistically, even if you max out your con mod, thirteen HP, but still, um, you'd be hard as fuck to kill. I would be okay if that part of it had a once per long rest, but if you could spare the dying somebody and give them some hit points and give them like one like one HP, I would reword that. You could reword that, and like when you use spare the dying to stabilize a creature, they uh they would they they gain one HP. That would be immensely better. Because you could then like can trip, spare the dying. Because you don't you don't have that many healing spells. You don't have any. You have like even if you had a healing spell, you don't have any slots. So you could spare the dying. This is like stabilize them long enough for your healer to come and do something about it. But they can also just still be up if they are the healer. They can heal them themselves. Uh so yeah. I mean, eh. Then you have undying nature. Uh, beginning at tenth level, you can hold your breath indefinitely. Don't require food, water, or sleep, although you still require rest to reduce exhaustion and still benefit from finishing short and long rest. In addition, you age at a slower rate. For every 10 years that pass, your body ages only one year. You are immune to being magically aged. Okay. <laughs> like, I feel the same way about that that I feel about the monk's ability. It's okay. I'm never in a situation in the game where I feel like I'm going to age my character to the point where he's going to die of old age. 
Now, Rob's character, Rob's old man and distractions, that may happen sooner rather than later. Well, Druids mm-hmm. have the same thing, though. Yeah, sure do. Like, yeah, so, I mean, it's, even then, it's, like, uh, it, it, yeah. It's not terrible. It's thematic, but it's, like, whatever. I, it, it's take or leave it. I, I think mean, not, that's... <laughs> I think that's garbage at the level you get it at. I, I, I yeah. like what it's given you. I mean, this. to be fair, hold, holding your breath indefinitely, don't require food, water, or sleep, nice. It's going to be extremely hard to kill you in non-combat ways. Right? Sure. But overall, like, eh. Uh, and then at 14th level, indestructible life. When you reach 14th level, you partake of uh, some of the true secrets of the Undying in your turn, you use a bonus action to regain hit points equal to 1d8 plus your Warlock level. Additionally, if you put a severed body part of yours back in place when you use this feature, the part reattaches. Okay. Not bad. Uh, it's also once per short or long rest. But um, Also, let me just break that down real quick. You can reattach limbs on your body once per short rest, but you can't de- you can you can't defy you only can defy death once per long rest. Just keep that in mind. Um, like for a fourteenth level ability, you're gonna regain one d eight plus let's say a fourteen one d eight plus fourteen. So at most you're regaining twenty two hit points, and you can put a your arm back in place. I mean. I don't know how often your body parts are getting severed where that matters. I'm, I think that's kind of a weak capstone. I don't feel like they put a whole lot of effort into this one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan of that at all at level 14. No. I think it's too like, weak. It's another one where, again, like I love the theme, but I yeah. don't like what they did with yeah. it. Yeah, I think this is kind of weak, in my opinion, overall. All right, letter grade time, guys. Undying. What are we giving it? I'm feeling. I'm honestly. I'm feeling like low C, high D. Yeah. Yeah. I was wanting to hear you all before I said D, in case you all lightened my heart a little bit on it. But I, yeah, I think it's a D. D. Yeah. Rob D. Mm-hmm. All right, undying the D. Take that D and get out of here, sir. You're terrible. All right. I'm going to go a little faster. Celestial. Um, One of my other ones that I actually kind of like. Celestial. Spellless. Cure Wounds. Guiding Bolt. Flaming Sphere. Less, flaming Sphere. Lesser Restoration. Uh, level 3, you get Daylight and Revivify. Level 4, you get Guardian of Faith and Wall of Fire. Level 5, you get Flame Strike and Greater Restoration. I think it's fine. Uh, for what this is about, I think this is fine. <laughs> uh, I, I it gives you your healing spell, so if you want to play a warlock who also wants to heal, I mean, you're not going to have a lot of points to heal, but be my guest. Go ahead and heal, sir. I don't like the idea of a sh- the the low spell slots that they get as a healer. I will say this: this is my favorite secondary healer in a party. If you're in a party where you feel like you need a secondary healer. This is my favorite class of secondary heal because they get their spell slots back in a short rest. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that as a secondary. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, like I, do, love, I do like their spell list. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a good mix of both as uh, 
I mean, there's a lot of damaging things like you're never going to use, like you're never going to fucking use Guiding Bolt. Uh, Flaming Sphere is not bad. Uh, I Revivify, okay. Um, Wall of Fire, Flame Strike. There's a lot of like, but you get to like, you got Restoration on there, which is pretty damn good. Lesser and greater, and you get Cure Wounds. Uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. How about you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, for you're basically going for a cure class. You're like basically a, going for a healer that's worse a healer, than a, yeah. that's worse than a yeah, paladin cure. or a cleric. Paladin, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could be pretty decent damage dealers. Yeah, with the spells well, that they're yeah. just with the spells they're getting. I mean, but the spells like that they spell. have combined with their. I mean, it, we haven't gotten to it, but combined with healing light, like they aren't bad. It's not a bad no. dealer choice. No, they're not bad. They're they're not bad. So bonus cantrips. Uh, they also they get to learn they learn light and sacred flame. I mean, light is no way a werelock's ever going to use sacred flame over eldritch blast. I'm sorry, no, never. It's never going to happen. <laughs> they count as warlock cantrips, but they also don't kind of get your cantrips known, so it's they're free. So hey, they're free. It's it's free real estate. Um. Healing Light. All right. Uh, first level, you gain the ability to channel Celestial Energy to heal wounds. Uh, a pool of D6 that you can spend to feel this healing number of dice in this pool equals one plus your Warlock level, so it's less dice than the uh, Paladin's Lay on Hands. As a bonus action, you can heal one creature you can see within 60 feet of you spinning dice from the pool. The maximum number of dice you can spend at one time at once equals your Charisma Modifier, minimum of one dice. Roll the dice you spend, add them together, and restore your hit points to the total. You're poor, you regain all expended hit dice when you finish a long rest. That sucks. It's a long rest, that sucks. I'm not going to lie. Uh, if it was a short rest, this would be like a great healing class. Long rest put a little bit of a slowdown on this, but I, it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's ranged lay on hands with less dice. I think Fine. it's adequate. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's it's. It'll, I think it'll get the job done. It's just, yeah. Yeah, there I mean, at level one, it's at level one, it's a it's a it's a two d six pool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Okay. Cool. Uh, level six, you get radiant soul. Uh, starting at six level, you link your link to the celestial allows you to serve as a conduit for radiant energy. You have resistance to radiant damage, and when you cast a spell that deals radiant or fire damage, you can add your curse and modifier to one radiant or fire damage roll of that spell against one of its targets. I mean, resistance is not bad. Radiant damage resistance, eh? Like, usually it's not... You're not fighting things as PCs that throw radiant damage at you in most cases, so it's not like... You know, it's like, eh, it's hit or miss. Uh, yeah. Necrotic damage would be more more impactful. Fire, uh, the radiant fire damage buff, not bad. I it's like what, it. five? Yeah, it, it's not bad. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you have to, it depends on what spell you're using, because again, you're going to be using Eldritch Blast, which is force, so you're not really ever going to take advantage of this. Unless you're casting like a big spell, but we've already been over the fact that like your big, your spell shouldn't really be, in most cases, on. Uh, Warlocks should not be damaging spells. You know, if you have one or two kicking around, maybe sure, but they shouldn't really be damaging spells. So it's kind of like, I don't know when it's ever going to come up, but when it does come up, it's not bad. Uh, Then we have the Celestial Resistance. Starting at 10th level, you gain temp HP whenever you finish a shorter long rest. These temp HP equal your Warlock level plus your Curse Modifier. Additionally, choose up the five creatures and the rest. 
Those creatures each gain temp HP equal to half your rock level plus your curse modifier. I think that's fine. That's perfect. So temp level, uh, max charisma, you're gaining 15 temp HP every short rest. Um, and your party's gaining 13. No, 10, sorry. It's not bad. Like, just for, just for waking up, free, free temp HP, that's not bad in my opinion. It's not the greatest. Well, on a I mean, short for, rest makes it a little better. Yeah, I mean, for a short rest, like, you start your day at level 20, you're going to have 20 temp HP, they're going to have 15. I mean, hey, that that that's that helps. It's not amazing, but it helps. I'm gonna say I like it, don't love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> searing vengeance. Oh, how do you feel about that, Rob? Sorry, how do you feel about celestial resistance? Uh, I mean, again, if you're gonna be going a healer, not bad. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. This class is very much like. This this is like the, one of the few classes of that have like an identity crisis. Yeah, this is the like, nobody wanted to take a cleric or a paladin class. Yeah, and your point, <laughs> but the issue I have with this one is over like even like the sorcerer one a little bit. Uh, this one is uh, your you get like a mix. If they went all in on the healing on the abilities, then I think it'd be better. But they went like healing and damage, and I'm like, you should just went, went all healing. It would have been much better. Yeah. But um, Searing Vengeance, starting at 14th level, the Radiant Energy you can channel allows you to resist death. When you make a death saving throw at the start of your turn, you can instead spring back to your feet with a burst of Radiant Energy. You regain equal hip, hit points equal to half your hit point maximum, and then you stand up as if you so choose. Each creature of your choice that is within 30 feet of you takes Radiant Damage, you can shoot E8, place Crystal Modifier, and it's blind to the end of your current turn. Uh, once per long rest. I think that's a perfectly fine capstone. That is the ability to stand up from being downed with half HP, do a 30-foot burst AoE for damage and inflict a condition. And inflict a condition. The only problem that sucks with that is it blinded until the end of the current turn. Do you not make a death saving throw at the end of the turn? No, death throw saving throws at the beginning. Every turn, in case you roll. Oh, they're, so they're blinded until the you stand back up, and then you you stand up. It doesn't waste your action. You get one action to do inflict damage on yeah. these blinded enemies, and then what, as soon as you end your turn, nobody else can capitalize on that, which sucks. What it's doing is it's making it uh, possible for you to back away if it's yeah. melee attackers. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's giving you the ability to get out. But I mean, like, other than that, nobody else can take advantage of it. It's really, it's. I think it's a fine ability, though. It's totally fine. If it half left them blind until the, bro. Yeah, ha, yeah, half the hit points. It's solid. It's a, uh, it's a better capstone for the undying subclass. Yes, than the undying yes, subclass. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, or that's like you know what else is a better capstone? Uh there is a when we get to it eventually, there's a fighter subclass, or there was a fighter subclass, um that had the like it was the psych one of the psychic classes. Um and it fucking had the ability to when it when it died, you roll the one D twenty and you had the chance to reincarnate like on the same plane as the same person. You just like you would turn you basically when you died, you burn up and turn to ash reincarnate somewhere else on the plane 
naked. I'm like, that's a great capstone. <laughs> you just roll like a 1d20. I think it was like, and I think every time you rolled, it got like substantially harder. But like, if you made the roll, you would just like reincarnate in 1d4 days, like halfway across the world in another city somewhere naked, but you're back. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's fine. Uh, how do you guys feel about Syrian Vengeance? I don't know. How do you guys feel about the Celestial class overall? That's a pretty solid B. Upper B, maybe. Yeah, I would agree yeah, with I that. Feel, yeah, I'm feeling like CB, but I mean, I think it's... I think I feel, The only reason why I, I say C is because I feel it's... Uh, it has like an identity crisis as a class, but I, it definitely does. The the capstone, I'm not going to lie, save, save the class. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'm cool with putting it as a B. It's totally fine. As a B. And apparently I opened up two of them. Koei Celestial. Now. Now, now, now. We have the Hexblade, the other one from Xanathar's Guide, which is arguably probably one of the best subclasses for the freaking uh, Orlock. Hexblade. All right. Spell is for the Hexblade. First level, Shield and Raffle Smite. Second level, Blur and Branding Smite. Third level, Blink and Elemental Weapon. Fourth level is Phantasmal Killer and Staggering Smite. Fifth level is is Banishing Smite in Coal of Cone. Cone of Cold. Jesus Christ, Coal of Cone. Uh, um, spell list-wise, uh, you can... I, I'm getting Paladin vibes. Like, that's all I can say. I'm getting Paladin vibes. I mean, it has shield when, when I'm downing favorite spells. Yeah, but on a on a warlock with so few spell slots, I feel like it's less useful. The only issue with the hex blades, though, on this one, they don't they don't he, uh, hex blades don't really use their elders blast that much. They can, they don't have to. They're mainly paladins, like they're they're basically just warlock paladins, like that. Yeah, but their one ability that they get, fucking. Uh, Hex Warrior that we're gonna, I'm going to get to in a second makes them fucking crazy. Especially if you want to take a one-level dip into Hex Warrior for uh, as a Paladin. Cough, cough. Anybody that plays Paladin, cough, cough. Um, you should for this one ability alone. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I mean, it's it, it's a fine list. You are if you choose to dive into it, you are a Paladin. Um, you get your shit back on a short rest. You're a Paladin. Hexblade's Curse, first level. Starting at first level, you gain the ability to place a, a Baleful Curse on someone as a bonus action. Choose from a creature you can see within 30 feet of you. The target is cursed for one minute. Cursing early if the target dies or you can pass it until the curse ends. You gain the following benefits. You gain a bonus to damage rolls against the cursed target. The bonus equals your proficiency bonus. Any attack roll you make against the target is a critical hit on a roll of 19 or 20. If the cursed target dies, you regain hit points equal to your Warlock level plus your Curse modifier. Minimum one hit point. Can't use the feature again until you finish a short rest. How you feel about that? Uh, I like it. I think it it's yeah. definitely something they're going to need. Your mind also stacks with your curse. With the curse spell. Oh, it stacks yeah. with it? You can use curse on top of Hexblade's curse. Hexblade's curse is ability. You can actually stack the uh, spell curse on top of that, too. Which most... yeah. I Warlock think that, tech. I think that's yeah, that's good. That's needed for a melee warlock. Yeah. I think it's solid. Uh, how about you, Rob? How do you feel about it? Uh, 
I mean, for a first level ability, it's, it's pretty good. All right. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's not bad at all. Uh, then you get to the real first level ability, the one that is possibly the most S tier ability of any fucking class out there. Hex Warrior. At first level, you acquire the training necessary to effectively arm yourself for battle. You gain proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. The influence of your patron allows you to mystically channel your will through a particular weapon. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can touch one weapon that you are proficient with, and that lacks a two-handed property. When you attack with this weapon, you can use your charisma modifier instead of strength or dex for the attack and damage rolls. This benefit lasts till you finish a long rest. If you later gain the Pack of the Blade feature, this benefit extends to every pack weapon you, you conjure with that feature, no matter the weapon type. Yeah, I think that's very, very strong. Helps it, not have it's to. Very uh, strong. You don't have it's to have three super high stats. You can now have. It's two. insanely strong on a paladin because paladin's biggest weakness is they are super, super. They're very mad. Yes, they're very multiple attribute dependent. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I don't need strength anymore. Sweet. Oh, I don't need dex. Sweet, because I also as a paladin, I can wear heavy armor. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> You just make 20 in charisma, and you just go around swinging big stupid sword and smiting everything in your path. Um, yeah, I think Hex Warriors are a very good ability um, that is abused. Like, the whole Warlock class. The Warlock class is the whore of D&D. Um, <laughs> everybody uses it for something, but nobody really wants to keep it. <laughs> Even though I... I will gladly turn the warlock whore into a housewife. I have <laughs> played I have played pure warlocks quite a few times. Um also, by the way, that also works really well on bards too. If you want to take a lone level dip as a bard into Hexblade, guess what? You now can attack off your decks off your charisma modifier with any weapon. <laughs> take yeah, a level dip. Uh... Because you can pick any weapon you're you, you proficiency with as long as they have a two two handed property cross uh, crossbows or hand crossbows. Um, a hand crossbow build would be fun with that. Yeah, uh, the hexbow hexbow exists. I've made a hexbow. They're fun. Um, accused specter accused a curse specter starting at six level. You can curse the soul of a person you slay, temporarily binding it to your service. When you slay a humanoid, you can cause its spirits to rise from its corpse and its specter. When the specter appears, hold one second. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. uh, uh, when the specter reappears, it gains temporary hit points equal to your half your warlock level. Roll initiative for the specter, which has its own turn. It obeys your verbal command and it gains a special bonus to its attack roll, even your charisma modifier. The specter remains in your service to the end of your next long rest, at which point it advantages to the afterlife. Once you bind a specter with a feature, you can't uh, use the feature again until you finish a long rest. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Especially at a sixth level, to be able to just summon everything, something once a, one, basically once a fight. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I do like that it pops up in the fight with its own turn. Like, so it's not like a spell you have to cast. It's just like a reaction kind of thing. You're just like, oh, it happened. Cool, let's do it. Boom. And you're right there. Does this not feel weird placed with this subclass for you, though? Like, it feels weird to me. Like, I well, like it's it. A, it's a ghostly specter. It's weird. It does feel odd. Um, like, it should have... Undying should have had this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because you're basically bound to the... The, um... Shadowfell, where all, like, ghosts and stuff go, so... Gotcha. That's technically where this comes from, is the Shadowfell. Yep. And we move to the 10th level ability. Now, all you people out there that are like, hey, I have a question. Don't Warlocks only wear, like, medium armor and have a D8? So why are they in melee? They don't want to be in melee. They're not paladins. Armor of Hexes is why they are in melee. At 10th level, your Hex grows more powerful. If the Cursed Target... If the target cursed by your Hexblade's curse hits you with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to roll a d6. On a 4 or higher, the attack instead misses you, regardless of its roll. Yeah. So, 50% of the time, they roll for damage. You're just like, no. (laughs) I don't think so, sir. And then when you get to 14th level, it gets even more crazy. Master of Hexes. Starting at 14th level, you can spread your Hexblaze curse from a slain creature to another creature. When the creature cursed by your Hexblaze curse dies, you can apply the curse to a different creature you can see within 30 feet as you provide it you aren't incapacitated. When you apply the curse this way, you don't reget hit points from the death of the previous cursed creature. Oh, you can just bounce your curse around the battlefield, and as long as you're taking on one-on-ones, 50% of the attacks that come at you, go miss anyway. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Hexblades are really nice. I really do like Hexblades. And if you can, like, work out other ways to, like... You have six levels to play with, kind of, sort of, like, work out other ways for them to, like, take advantage of, like, crazy shit. Um, And then you can kind of do that and abuse the system. And that's what Hexblades are for. They're for abusing the system. Basically. I've always wanted to play one, never got around to do it. I always talked, talked myself into other ones. Well, they are more melee, and you're not really you. Yeah. You you play melee, but that's not really your uh, your forte. Yeah, or your, I prefer or your preferred your preference. Yeah. All righty. So, what do you guys want to give the hexblade? Honestly, I think a high A. Yeah, I think it's an easy A. That's just me, though. Yeah, I would say A as well. It's an easy A. The easy A class. It, easily one of the better ones to pick. Uh, now we're getting into the, the three I, I don't know a lot about, so I'm learning with you guys. Um, we are jumping to... We are in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything now. Donnie knows more about the genies. Actually, let's start with the genie, because you know more about the genie. Hang on, um, uh, somebody's knocking at the door, sorry. Donnie knows more about the genie. Somebody's knocking at the door. It's the genie telling us that he can't talk about the genie. Um, I guarantee you that's what it is. He's going to be like, yeah, guys, sorry, uh, I can't talk about the genie. Uh, he's saying right, right he said, I'm, I'm not opposed to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought so, but no. Uh, so, Jeannie. Um, I'm biased Jeannie, on this one. You, you you'll probably four, agree, but I'm biased. You get four kinds of genies. Uh, you get a Dao, a Jin, and a Freet, and Rid. So, Earth, Air, Fire, and Water. Um, there's never a Wind Genie. Sad days. Um... So at first level, your spells you get, depending on the spells you get, there's a lot of spells in here, goddammit. First level, uh, 
just just genie spells in general, you get detect evil and good, um, detect evil and good, and then if you're earth, you get sanctuary, air gets thunder wave, uh, fire gets burning hands, and water gets fog cloud. Second level, you get phantasm force, earth gets spike growth, uh, air gets gust of wind, fire gets scorching ray, water gets blur. Third level gets create food and water, uh, earth gets meld in the stone, wind gets wind walk, Fire gets Fireball, Water gets Sleet Storm. Uh, fourth level, you get Phantasm Killer. Earth gets Stone Shape. Uh, wind gets greater, or air gets greater invisibility. Uh, uh, fire gets Fire Shield, and Water gets Control Water. Fifth level, you get Creation. Uh, Earth gets Wall of Stone. Wind gets Seeming, or Air gets Seeming, sorry. Fire gets Flame Strike, and Water gets Cone of Coal, and at ninth level you get Wish, and none of the other ones get, you get nothing else for the ninth level spells. So overall, I think it's solid, really solid. Uh, you get Wish and Creation, the two of the, the the stronger spells. I do feel that out of all of these ones, I think Air has some of the more useful spells. Um mainly with greater invisibility and uh, a properly placed wind wall, but that's just me. Uh, but regardless of that, you get fucking creation and wind wish, so the, that those that by itself makes this a fantastic spell list. Uh, 100% purely on that. <laughs> and I'd probably also go with wind. Water has some decent ones too, though. Water has really decent ones in blur. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, fire is just all fire shit. Earth is situational. Earth's um, my least I, favorite, but as a whole, just the ones you're given for free are all super useful. Yeah, Tekken Evil, I mean, eh, yeah, yeah, but eh. Phantasm Force, solid. Creep Food and Water convert is situational, but amazing. Phantasm Killer, kind of the same thing. Creation is creation, and Wish is Wish. There's nothing really to miss there. Yeah, Wish, yeah. wish kind of makes this the best spell list if you don't have Wish. Already. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I agree. Uh first of all, you also get your genie's vessel. Um uh it's either a oil lamp, an urn, a ring with a compartment, a stoppered bottle, a hollow statuette, or an ornate lantern. Um you are uh, you are touching the vessel, you can use it in the following ways. Bottle respite. As an action, you can magically vanish and enter your into your vessel, which remains in the space you left. The interior of the vessel is Extra dimensional space in the shape of a 20 foot radius cylinder, 20 feet high, and resembles your vessel. The interior is appointed with cushions and low tables and is comfortable and it's, it's a comfortable temperature. While inside, you can hear the area around your vessel if you were in its space. If you remain inside the vessel up to a number of hours, you can do twice your fishy bonus. You exit the vessel early if you use a bonus to leave, if you die, or if the vessel is destroyed. When you exit the vessel, you appear in an unoccupied space close to it. Any object left in the vessel remains there until carried out. And if the vessel is destroyed, every object destroyed there harmlessly appears unoccupied. It, uh, an unaggregated space is close to the vessel's former space. Once you enter the vessel, you can't enter it again until you finish a long rest. Uh, you also have Genie's Wrath. Once, for, uh, once during each of your turns, when you hit it with attack roll, you deal extra damage to targets equal to your proficiency bonus. Type of the damage turned by your patron. Bludgeoning for earth, thunder for uh, air, fire for fire, or cold for water. Vessel's AC equals your spell save DC. Its hit points equal to your warlock level plus proficiency bonus and is immune to poison. Psychic damage, the vessel is destroyed or you lose it. From one hour ceremony to receive a replacement for your patron, the ceremony can be performed during a short rest and was previously and the previous vessel is destroyed if it still exists. The vessel vanishes in a flare of elemental power when you die. Uh, I think it's totally fine, totally yep. solid. 
Nothing wrong yeah. with that. I think it's a very good first one, and the way that it expands is great later. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fine. That's solid. Um, it, I always like items that, like, or classes that give you, like, an item to, like, attach to. Cause it, like, precious. It, yeah, it gives you, like, role-playing control. Yep. Yeah, so, all in all, I like that one a lot. Uh, Elemental Gift. At 6th level, you begin to take a characteristic of your patron's kind. You now have resistance to damage type determined by your patron's kind. Blah, bludgeoning for earth. Thunder for air, fire for fire, coal for water. In addition, as a bonus action, give yourself a flying speed of 30 feet that lasts for 10 minutes, during which you can hover. You can use this bonus action a number of times. Uh, you can use this bonus action a number of times, equal your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expenditures when you finish a long rest. Uh, I mean, flight is flight. That's always nice. It's resistance uh, yeah. and non-concentrated flight to me makes this top tier. Yeah, no, that's solid. That's always solid. I mean, the resistance is kind of take or miss because they're all kind of like questionable resistances. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, other than, I mean, other than that, like even the flight by itself, is solid, solid. Is Rob? Rob, what do you think? Uh, I don't like it, and you should stop playing it. Shit. Yeah. Uh, that tells y'all ten minutes. <laughs> up, up to six. What's your proficiency go up to six? Up to six times a day at level twenty. Yep. This is almost what sold me on this, but it gets better. Uh, you get Sanctuary ves- uh, Vessel. At 10th level, when you enter a genius vessel via the bottom respite feature, you can choose now choose up to five willing creatures that you can see within 30 feet of you, and the chosen creature are drawn into the vessel with you. As a bonus action, you can eject any number of creatures from the vessel, and everyone is ejected if you leave or die, or if the vessel is destroyed in addition to anyone, including you, remains within the vessel for at least 10 minutes. Gains the benefits of finishing short rest, and anyone... Anyone can add your free bonus to the number of hit points they regain if they spend any hit dice. A sharp part there. Solid. Solid yep. utility. That's a really good. That's really good. A 10 minute short rest and extra hit points. Like, I, yeah, it's another yeah, one. It's I think is very That's good. really good. It's really good. And there's no actual cap on that. Um, how many times you can do that? That's pretty nice. Uh, then you have limited wish. At 14th level, you entreat your patron to grant you a small wish. As an action, you can speak your desire to your genius vessel, requesting the effect of one spell that is 6th level lower and has a cast time of one action. The spell can be from any class of spell list, and you don't need to meet the requirements of that spell, including costly components. The spell simply takes effect as part of the action. Once you use feature, you can't use it until you finish 1d4 long rest. Um, that's always solid and good. That's very good, actually. Um... It could be really interesting, though, if you're if the DM wants to be like, if the DM feels like you crush on that too often, uh, they want to be like, if you piss off your patron, they they add like a uh, add like a chance of failure to that, <laughs> yeah. which could like for roleplay reasons, I, I could see them like totally doing that. Like you 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 keep asking for shit, um, but you're not like <laughs> doing them shit, <laughs> and. <laughs> And then they're just like, well... Uh, considering I'm playing this, I'm going to say that's a horrible idea. <laughs> I might agree with you, but I'll never admit it. <laughs> but no, I, I, no yeah, overall, I think it's really cool. Uh, yeah, no, I think this class is actually really strong. I think it's um, easy A. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't argue... How do you think about that wish, Rob? I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. I would, I, it's easy, it'd be it's, easy A. I mean, I would be willing to give this the first S tier. Uh, if you'd like yeah. to, I think it's a solid one. I was I was gonna say S too, but yeah, the only thing that as a DM that saves that last one, so I'm not like, no, you can't take it, is that it's the one d four long rest. 
So yeah. it's not an everyday thing, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we, we just got to keep track of days real good. But yeah, like I think it's perfect as it is, honestly, with the one D four days, because it's like you're not actually asking every day; you're asking potentially right. every eight. Right. Unless you get lucky, and then you always are rolling the one one long rest. That just means that my patron loves me. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I honestly, yeah, I think it's S. I mean, wish alone, but just what everything else does for the warlock class, like it all fits very well together. I think. Not to mention your practice with a genie. All right. No. Uh, so yeah. No, that one's solid. Uh, then we have next. We have the fathomless. We're almost actually done with this one. Oh, yeah, these are the ones I know nothing about. So and the fathomless and the undead. I'm curious about that one. Might be my next one. I I play that. Uh, I run through the fathomless before when I was making Levi. It's pretty interesting, but he he didn't really fit. Like I was like, why would he be the fathomless? There's no ocean. But yeah. So, so <clears throat> the fathomless spell list. Uh, first level, you create destroy water and thunder wave. Eh. Uh, second level, gust of wind silence. I do like both of those spells. Third level, you get Lightning Bolt and Sleet Storm. Uh, I do like Lightning Bolt, but I like it better in Druids when you can fly in your fucking, like, a hawk form and cast Lightning Bolt from above the, the fucking battlefield. Uh, yep. Fourth level, you get Control Water and Summon Elemental. Always solid. Fifth level, you get Bigsby's Hand, which, in quotations, appears as a tentacle and a Cone of Cold. Uh, I think spell list is kind of, like, it has some utility, but I think it's kind of lacking. It's not like... I get to summon the Kraken? I mean, you could summon Elemental. You could argue and say a Kraken is an Elemental. You heard him wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of... Uh, it's, you know, it's... The spells aren't literally add a whole lot, but I mean, it's not bad. It's fine. It's thematic at the least. Thematically fits. Not my least favorite, but not very high on my list of Subclass. Yeah, same. Uh, then we have Tentacle of the Deep. At first level, you can magically summon a spectral tentacle that strikes at your foes. As a bonus action, you create a 10-foot-long tentacle at the point you can see within 6 feet of you. Tentacle lasts for 1 minute or until you use this feature to create another tentacle. When you create the tentacle, you can make a melee spell attack against one creature within 10 feet of it. On a hit, the target takes 1d8 cold damage and the speed is reduced by 10 feet until the end of his next turn. Uh, when you your next turn, sorry. When you reach 10th level in this class, the damage increases 2d8. As a bonus action, you move the tentacle over 30 feet and repeat the attack. You can summon the tentacle a number of times, use your fishing bonuses, and regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. I mean, I got you. I do. I got you, fam. But you also have Elvish Blast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got you, though. Uh, everything on the... Everything on every... Warlock sheet ever, which is why I like the genie a lot because it's all um, like utility. It doesn't try to add to like because they know you're going to just fucking Elvish blast shit into oblivion. They don't care about yeah. But this else. is um, this is a bonus action, so you can Elders blast and create the tentacle. This is basically like giving them uh, a cleric's yeah. spiritual weapon, basically. Yeah, so you can yeah, attack with that's both true. Your that main is true. And this. That is true. It's nice, but I mean, I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like that extra like one d eight at tenth level. I think you're out. You have three bolts at Elder's Blast. I think or two, three or two, right around there. 
I mean, it 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 could it could matter, but it might not matter. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad in any stretch. Um, and you have gift of the sea. Also, you gain a swimming speed of forty feet. It can breathe underwater. Cool. There are races that give you that without doing that, but cool. Yeah, I mean it's level one, so I try to give it a little benefit, but no, I don't. No, it's I absolutely fine. Don't. Like breathe underwater, like that's actually a really good ability, uh, depending on what you're doing, fuck, and where you're at. But I'm not a fan. I mean, that's not the only thing you get at first level either. So, right, you get the tentacle of the deep and that, so like that's fine. Right. Yeah. Then you have level six level. You get ocean oceanic soul. Six level. You are now more at home in the depths. You gain resistance to cold damage. In addition, when you are fully submerged, any creature that is also fully submerged can understand your speech, and you can understand theirs. Uh that's useful. That is useful, but it's only really useful if you're with other people who can who can also breathe underwater. Otherwise, when they start talking to you, they're going to die. Um, because they're yeah, not going to be able to. I'll say it should do something else. Like, yeah, I feel like it should be damage is basically all it's giving you. It should give you something else too. As it's yeah. first six. Oh, there is another six. I'm sorry. There, yeah, are there's, a, there's another six. Then you have guardians coil at six. Your tentacle of the deep can defend you and others imposing itself between them and harm. When you are a creature, you can see take damage within 10 feet of your tentacle. You can use your reaction to choose one of those creatures and reduce the damage to that creature by one D eight. When you reach 10th level, it's two D eight. Okay. I mean, all right. I mean, it, it, yeah, that's fine. I like that's it. Fine. I like cool it. That. That's that's keeping your tentacle as their theme. That's fine. And then at uh, tenth level, you get grasping tentacles. Starting at tenth level, you learn the spell of Bard's Black Tentacles. It counts as a warlock spell for you, but it doesn't count against the number of spells you know. You can also cast it once without using a spell slot, and you regain the ability to do so when you finish a long rest. Whenever you cast a spell, your patron's magic bolsters you, grading a number of 10 hit points because your warlock level more of a damage can't break your concentration on the spell. That's cool. But at 10th yeah. level, you're getting a 3rd level spell. Yeah. like It's a 4th level spell, but yeah. Is it? Okay. But still. And not breaking the concentration. Not breaking the concentration is nice, but also, too, we were talking about a Vars Blood Tentacle earlier. It's a deck save. Yeah. I'm really big on that. I try to stay away from decks and con unless it's something real good. Con saves are great against casters. Yep. Um, Then we have 14th level Fathomless Plunge. When you reach 14th level, you can magically open temporary conduits to watery destinations. As an action, you can teleport yourself and up to five other creature willing creatures. That you can see within 30 feet of you amid a whirlwind of tentacles. Um, you all vanish and then reappear up to one mile away in a body of water. You've seen pond size or larger or within 30 feet of it, each of you appearing in an unoccupied space within 30 feet of the others. Once you use this feature, can you get in for a short or long rest? It's basically a, a transport via plants, but with water and not taking up a spell slot. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Uh, yeah. In the right campaign, in the right setting, re- really good. Unlike Misthaven, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's basically one by where you teleport you constantly. That's why I said I didn't give. I was like, oh, I like this one. I might give it to Levi, but then I was like, none of these things are going to be uh, useful in Misthaven. So, <laughs> I rating wise, I would give this one like a C. I don't think it's bad as the Undying. I would. Go low B for personally. I kind of like it. Low B? 
I like I, I the theme of it, I but like I'm trying not to make like the theme. I mean, are we counting theme and mechanically? Is that what we're doing? Because if we're doing that, I'll make it a B. But if it's not theme, then it's definitely a, probably a low C for me. I think it's a high C, low B. I mean, I'm willing to go either way on it. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, the damage reduction, everything adding up together and all that, I'll say it's I'll say it's a B if we're doing theme involved. I would say here, 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 here. I will caveat this if you guys are okay with it. I would say it's a C, but I would say it's B campaign dependent. Yes. Maybe even A if it's campaign with a lot of water. But that just depends on the campaign. So we, I'm cool with just saying B overall, though. I'm cool with the B. I agree with Rob B. And then we got the newest one. The one I haven't looked at at all yet, but I think I might like it. Yeah, that was I, my, I I don't have that one in because I've been looking in D and D Beyond. It's not in there, so yeah, I can't I, even read it. Because I love Ravenloft, so I'm curious to see how this works out. So this is Van Richten's guy to Ravenloft. This is the world, the undead warlock, not the undying, not to be confused with his slower, more retarded brother, the undead warlock. Let's see how this one works out. See if I'm see if I like it. So spells you get, first level, you get Bane and False Life. Second level, you get Blindness, Deafness, and Phantasmal Force. Third level is Phantom Steed and Speak with Dead. Fourth level is Death Ward and Greater Invisibility. Fifth level is Anti, anti Life Shell and Cloud Kill. So you get Phantom Steed, which is super nice. I like Phantom Steed a lot. I, I think it's one of the better spell. ones. You get Anti Life Shell. Which is uh, always, if used properly, always solid. And in Cloud Kill, it does damage on whatever. Uh, but greater anti life shell, greater invisibility, phantom steed, speak with dead, and death ward, depending on how you use death ward. Uh, Solid. Death Ward is take or miss, but I would say the the biggest ones are probably, from my opinion, Greater Invisibility, Phantom Steed, Speak with Dead, and Anti-Life Shell. I actually like that spell list a lot. Yeah, I think it's one of the better ones for sure. How about you, Rob? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I can't see it myself, so it's like I, I hear you reading them off, but it's hard to keep them all in my mind, but it, they seem pretty good. All right. I got you. So you have Form of the Dead. Form, sorry, form of Dread. At first level, you manifest an aspect you manifest an aspect of your patron's dreadful power as a bonus action. You transform for one minute. You gain the following benefits while transformed. You gain temporary hit points equal to 1d10 plus your warlock level. Once during each of your turns, when you hit a creature with an attack, you can force it to make a wisdom saving throw, and if, it's saving, if the saving throw fails, the target is frightened of you until the end of your turn. Uh, you are immune to the frightened condition. You can transform a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. The appearance of your form of dread reflects some aspect of your patron. For example, your form could be a shroud of shadows, forming the crown and robes of your lich patron, or your body might glow with glyphs from an ancient funerary rites and be surrounded by desert winds, suggesting your mummy patron. Okay. Um, temp HP... Frightening, uh, frightened, not bad. Um, doesn't do a whole lot, but as a bonus action for temp HP, um, 
being immune to fighting condition is a hit or miss, whatever. It's alright. For level 1, it's alright. Uh, it does give you something to grow into later. Because, I mean, 1d10 plus at level 20, that's a potential of 30 temp HP. Yeah. Which ain't bad. I think it's uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Uh, and then inflicting frightened from a range is always interesting because if the guy's trying to close on you, he can't. He can't. He can no longer continue to close. He has to actively try to get away from you. So if you're playing a ranged caster from the back, you see a guy cutting. You see a guy trying to get up on you. You hit him with that, and now he's like, "Oh fuck! I I gotta run away." He turns around and spends a turn running away from you, and then he's got to regain that ground. Well, no, frightened doesn't make you run away. You just can't move closer. Right, which I mean, effectively does the same thing. <laughs> Not exactly, but makes a thing. Um, let me see. Uh, and you have six level. You have grave touch. At sixth level, your patron's powers have a profound effect on your body and magic. You don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. Here we are again. In addition, once during each of your turns, when you hit a creature with an attack and roll damage against a creature, you can replace the damage type with necrotic damage. While you're using your front, your form of dread, you can roll one additional damage dice when determining the necrotic damage the, the target takes. You can roll one additional damage dice when determining... Oh, okay, you just get extra, you get extra dice. Or do you have to replace one of the dice? I think you just get an extra dice of damage. That's not bad. So that turns your... You can turn your... That's not bad. You can turn your... One of your attacks on... Your Eldritch Blast into a 2d10 and necrotic damage. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. pretty decent. I'm not, not, not upset. Necrotic Husk. At 10th level, your connection to undead and necrotic energy does not saturate your body. You have resistance to necrotic damage. If you are transformed using your form of dread, you instead become immune to necrotic damage. Hey, there nice. we go. In addition, when you are reduced to zero hit points, you can use your reaction to drop to one HP instead and cause your body to erupt with, de with deathly energy. Each creature of your choice within 30 feet of you takes necrotic damage equal to 2d10 plus your warlock level. You then gain one level of exhaustion. Once you use a reaction, you can't do so again until you finish 1d4 to long rest. That's not bad. I mean, straight up immunity to a damage at level 10, that's not bad. Um, yeah. The exhaustion kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> Joe free card. Exhaustion kind of blows. But I'll live with it. That's not the worst thing ever. Pretty decent. I think the capstone, though, might, might break it. Let's see. Spirit projection. At 14th level, your spirit can become untethered from your physical form. As an action, you can project your spirit from your body. The body you leave behind is unconscious and in a state of suspended animation. Your spirit resembles your mortar form in almost every way, replicating game statistics, but not your possessions. Any damage or other effects that apply to your spirit or physical body affects the other. Your spirit can remain outside of your body for up to one hour or until your concentration is broken, as if concentrating on a spell. When your projection ends, your spirit returns to your body, or your body magically teleports to your spirit space. Your choice. Um, while projecting your spirit, you gain the following benefit. Your spirit and body gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. When you cast a spell of a conjuration or necromancy school, this spell doesn't require verbal or somatic components or material components that lack, a, lack the goal cost. You have a flying speed equal to your walking speed and can hover. 
You can move the creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, but you take 1d10 force damage to do in your turn inside of a creature or an object. While you're using your form of, the, of, of dread, once during each of your turns, when you do necrotic damage to a creature, you regain hit points equal to half the amount of necro necrotic damage dealt. Once you use this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. That could be interesting. The biggest thing about that that could be interesting is that when the projection ends, your spirit returns to your body, or your body magically teleports to your spirit space. <laughs> and you can theoretically thinking. walk through walls, get like in like a an advantageous position inside of like a castle or something, and then end it and teleport to your body, and now you got past all the guards and shit. You're already inside. That could work. That's not bad. Not bad. Not as good as the genie, but not bad. Definitely un better than the undying, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How do you f how do you feel about it, Rob? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd say I'd probably give it a high B, maybe low A. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same thing. B A. I'm more so a B. B? Yeah. I feel yeah. I'm cool with that. B solid. Definitely a B class. There's definitely fun happy. to be had with it. Yeah, I think it's B class for sure. But I think if you factor in like you factor in like purely for like thematically and like RP purposes, I think it's one of the better ones. Yeah. But overall, yeah. our list of in last place, the Undying is the worst class, the worst subclass you can pick for a warlock, and then tied for actually our next one after that is the Archfey. Um, that was these our, our C is Archfey. Uh, all of our B's are Fiend, Celestials, uh, the Fathoming, and the Undead. Are yep, Undead. Those are all B's. So those are all pretty. I would probably say like your B, your B's are your like your good options. Like they're not, they're very fair. They're you know they're they're very fair. They all have like some thematic purpose so like you could pick them and like thematic them but you're not going to be like oh I, you're not going to feel like you're like not keeping up with like one of the a or the s's in your group like they're still going to be you know beneficial and useful uh i would feel in my opinion i feel like like if you pick the undying and you have a also have like a hex blade or a genie in your group you're going to feel fucking useless uh because <laughs> you're that that class is awful um, and you have your, we have, our, we have, we have our A's, we have two A's, we have the great old one and we have the hex blade and then our only S class is the genie. And I think the genie is actually legitimately an S. Yeah. And yeah. That's our, that's our list we came up with peeps. Um, also, so the book I was thinking of that hadn't come out yet, it was Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos because... I was talking to Webby about it because it, it's going to make the owl folk a legitimate class in that or a race oh, rather. Uh, but that one is a combination with the Magic the Gathering. Uh, so it's a, a combo book like they did the combo cards. Uh, but that one is actually, there's three books coming out in the fall. That one comes out in November. But first in September comes The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which is mostly about the Feywild. And then after Ooh. that, in October, comes Fizzbane's Treasury of Dragons, which is mostly about dragons. Oh, nice. Looking forward to that. Does that. 
Is that supposed to like flush out the Feywild? Yeah, I guess so. It says Wickedly Whimsical Adventure for Dungeons Dragons World's Greatest Role Playing Game. Wild Beyond the Witchlight, a Feywild Adventure. So I guess it's probably like a that campaign. one sounds like it's a campaign book, but it might have like extra stuff about the Feywild in it, I'm assuming. Nice. I am happy about that. Very nice. Finger. All right, guys. I think that's all we got for you guys today. Uh, Rob, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Confessor underscore X and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Confessor X. We can't find Donnie anywhere. Um, so I'm not going to ask him. And you guys can find me on Twitter at DMP underscore Pookie and on Twitch at Mr. D3 and on eBay looking for a reminder book to remind us to do the Science Corner with Rob and the other stuff we got to do. Rob, we need a Science Corner. Uh, corner is two intersecting parts of something. There you go. It's science Corner. Wow. <laughs> uh, I don't really have anything prepared because I wasn't thinking of it. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat with my uh, inspirational quotes here. So uh, I'm going to kick back on old uh, Dolly Parton over here and use one of hers. The way I see it is, folks, uh, if you want to, if, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. There you go. Another another Dolly Parton science. What with this? Don't wear high heels on a soggy lawn. Huh. Yep. These are life changing things here. Yep. Uh, you know, Daddy. Sometimes you just find yourself staying on the front lawn in high heels, and you're just like, "Man, shit, soggy today. I should I should have did this." Oh, we agreed we weren't telling anyone about this, Devin. Well, Rob. I mean, Donnie. Look. Sometimes. You just got to accept who you are, okay? <laughs> but all right. Anyway, that was fun. Uh, I, I had a good time. I had a good time. Everybody had a good time. You had a good time, right? Points gun. <laughs> no way. Um, well, anyway, thanks, thanks for coming out, guys. It was a fun episode. And as always, uh, fuck Booster Gold. Fuck Booster Gold. FBG. FBG. I ain't the kind of weary time Button up from nine to five I tried that life but said goodbye I'm not always polite but I get the job done Who says the world can never be fun I'm simply unprofessional